Pastor John, hello. We are uh, recording this episode in the midst of a pandemic shutdown of our cities and our states, recording right now from home. And uh, neither of us have gathered with our local churches for weeks now, and this episode is scheduled to launch uh, sometime in early May. So it's a question about church dress codes, and neither of us know by the time this episode launches if we will still be quarantined or if we'll be meeting in person on Sundays with our churches. In any case, churches in this country will eventually reunite. (laughs) We trust the Lord in that. And uh, to prep for that meeting, we have a question from John, a listener in South Carolina who writes this. Pastor John, hello. When we join in corporate worship and gather in God's house, should we dress in our best clothes? I tend to say yes. The world seems to dominate our choices in too many ways in our worship, in our music, building styles, flippancy, etc. Under the Old Covenant, Moses was clear that priests should wear holy garments that were elaborate. It's Exodus 28, verse 4. In entering the presence of God through Christ, it seems to me the modern church has settled for casual Fridays a dress code from the corporate world. Do you know of any scriptures in the New Testament that address appropriate attire for a church? Pastor John, what would you say to John? Yes, but maybe not in the way you think. (laughs) 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 But, But let me set it up. Whether you dress to kill on Sunday morning or dress to kill those who dress to kill, or whether you close your eyes earnestly while singing the doxology, or casually sip your latte while singing holy, 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 or whether you sit with respectful posture or slouch with indifference, or whether you keep your hands to yourself or rub the back of your boyfriend's neck while the pastor pours out his heart, or whether you disdain a shabby visitor or rejoice that they are welcome. All these things, and many more, are shaped and guided by your vision of what God is like in this service, and what is at stake here, what you believe should be happening here. So let me lift up some biblical descriptions of God and His ways which I think if they came to us with appropriate weight and wonder and joy and awe, we would discern more clearly how to dress and act in worship services, corporate worship. In other words, I think tinkering externally with how we dress does not come close to the heart of the matter that plagues the church today. The the problems are far deeper than that. Certain kinds of behaviors and clothing are simply symptomatic of views of God and worship and ourselves that are at best lopsided or worse, unbiblical. So here here they are. Number one, let our demeanor and dress reflect the transcendence and imminence of God, the majesty and the intimacy of God. Isaiah 57, 15, thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. So I would ask, Has the swing, say, in the last 40 years, 
from formality in church to casualness in church captured a mature balance between transcendence and imminence? I think the answer to that is no, by the way. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, that, that's not fair because I don't mean to, to paint with a big brush. Many churches, I would say, no. And I would just ask everyone who's listening to consider for themselves and their church, especially pastors, what about my church? Don't point your finger at others. Number two, let our demeanor and dress reflect the severity and kindness of God. Romans 11.22, behold the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. Now, Now, God is not to be trifled with. He is not mocked. He is more severe and more kind than we can imagine. And there is a demeanor that flows from a sober experience of the mingling of these two realities, especially as we come into worship face-to-face corporately with this God. Number three, let our demeanor and dress be shaped by the glad gratefulness and serious reverence that come from the firmness of the kingdom and the fire of God's holiness. Hebrews 12, 28, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Acceptable worship will have a strong taste of reverence and awe. This is missing in many churches, and it affects not only the kind of clothing we wear, but the kind of souls we become. Number four, let our demeanor and dress reflect the biblical call to self-humbling rather than self-exaltation. Luke 18, 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, that's, of course, to be true of all Christians all the time, everywhere, but I'm arguing especially in corporate worship. Let every man and every woman think as he or she dresses Sunday morning. Something like this. I want to be totally non-distracting in my presence in worship today. I will not, I will not, as a man or a woman, try to stand out, not by style, not by expense, not by cleverness, not by offensiveness, not by sexiness, by what I reveal or how tight my clothing is, or how elegant or trendy my hair is, or how perfectly coordinated my colors are or how free from taboos I am, or how solemn I am, my aim will be to dress and act in a way that simply does not attract or distract from what should be happening here. That's my interpretation of humble yourself. Get out of the way. Dress to be undistracting. Number five. 
Let our demeanor and dress reflect the joyful readiness to embrace all comers who may not be able to dress the way we would like to or like them to. James chapter 2 hits this pretty head on. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man with shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, the alternative to this judging partiality is not something as superficial as everybody dressing in shabby clothes. That's ridiculous. This is a matter of the heart. It may be that the richest woman in the church dressed in very nice clothing, the richest woman in the church will be the quickest to embrace the poor person in shabby clothes who walks in on Sunday morning. Her heart may be totally right, while the cool, dressed-down click don't pay any attention at all. It's not a matter of the clothing at that point. It's a matter of the heart. And finally, number six, let our demeanor and dress reflect the biblical truth that many things in life, including worship life, are decided not by what is commanded or forbidden biblically, but what is fitting and proper biblically. When, when the father, in the parable of the prodigal son, tried to entreat his elder son to join the feast, he didn't say, Get in here. It's my command, for goodness sakes. I'm your dad. He said, son, this is verse 32 of Luke 15, it is fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. If the only criterion you are using right now in deciding how you act and dress in corporate worship is Well, I believe God is gracious and accepts us just as we are. You have a hold of something wonderful. You do. And it's lopsided and needs supplementing with more truth. Let me illustrate, and I'll close with this illustration. If you're married to the most wonderful woman, the most patient, the most kind, the most forgiving, the most gracious woman in the world who loves you as you are, accepts you as you are, and you show up on your 25th wedding anniversary celebration at a nice restaurant where she has gone ahead of you because you've been at work, and she has made some nice plans for you, and you show up at this restaurant in t-shirt and tennis shorts because you just come straight from the tennis court, she will accept you. She will love you. That's the kind of woman she is. And you will have not done well, Mm. because that was unfitting. So I end where I began. All these things and many more are shaped and guided by your vision, our vision, of what God is like and what you believe should be happening in this service. What is fitting? 
before this God. Amen. Yeah, it's a question of fittingness. Thank you, John, for the question. Thank you, Pastor John, for the response. And thank you for listening. If you haven't done so, get our new episodes as we release them by subscribing to Ask Pastor John in your favorite podcast app in Spotify or by subscribing to DG's YouTube channel. And to find all 1,500 of our past episodes or to submit a question of your own, go online to desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, is the Calvinist-Arminian debate overblown? Uh, does it really matter? Will it make any difference in our lives anyways? That is the question up next time on Monday. I'm Tony Ranking. We'll see you then.